0: Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show, we review the disappointing 2013 loss to Sale at the Gate. A well-drilled and physical Sharks team stifled the Bears on Friday night. and We asked what can we learn from our first league defeat in seven games? We are also going to preview the next game away at Gloucester and assess our chances of retaining the Rifles Cup at Kingsholm. All this and much, much more in this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles, and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, we've had a good run of uh, podcasts and being able to talk about Bristol Bears victories. Uh, but that's, that's come to an end. Uh, pete let me come to you first um that- how was your weekend following that defeat on friday well tone i've got to say it it precipitated uh, a couple
1: more days of of, of of sporting misery for me to be honest uh, it's probably been one of the worst sporting uh, weekends of a, of being a fan uh, that i can remember obviously bristol on friday uh, my uh, my i wouldn't gonna, i wasn't going to say beloved but my football club southampton <laughs> on Saturday uh, sort of lunchtime and then followed by the utter misery of England so to be honest guys I've been so looking forward to this podcast as being the one shaft of light of the weekend
0: and and Lee let me come to you next um Pete there uh you know commiserating about Southampton losing 3-2 I don't know about you but I thought that was quite a turnaround considering their result midweek
2: <laughs> it was a it was a turnaround. I was I was almost pleased for them that they'd uh, they'd only lost narrowly. But I mean, I I I absolutely feel where Pete's coming from as well because I mean, I've watched Spurs against Chelsea earlier on in the week, and that was that was horrific to be honest. And it's not been the greatest sporting week, but hopefully, like Pete said, now we've got the pod tonight, and we might even win a test again in India. <laughs> Uh, so things are looking up, and obviously Spurs won today, but I wasn't really going to throw that one in.
0: And Miles, um, you know, we we won't talk to you about football because I know you're not a, a great lover of the uh, the round ball game, but uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so uh, who do you fancy for the uh, the title?
3: Is, is that badminton? Is <laughs> it? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, yeah, uh, you're certainly afraid of a girl yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, <laughs> because I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl final. TC. To, to be fair, I've loved, I've enjoyed playing football with my kids out in the back garden this afternoon, so you can you can take it back. To be honest with you, I've... <laughs> I'd like to say I've had an enjoyable weekend watching sport, but that would be like Pete, that would be a complete lie. Um, and i I think, as I said, the best thing about this weekend is, is speaking to you boys this evening and you, not watching you, any more rugby. Miles, you've saved a few
2: lives this week, no doubt. So I, um, I have
3: saved a few lives. And also you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just give a bit of a shout out. There's a, a chap at work I bumped into who said, I meant to say, Miles, after introducing me to your podcast, my father-in-law is in love with it. And I went, well, I tell you what, give me his name or we'll try and give him a shout out. So if I was half listening, then David Jenkins, enjoy this podcast, and thanks for listening.
0: That's great, and a bit a bit of news for for you boys as well, which uh, I haven't shared with you yet. Um, last week's podcast uh, had our biggest listenership ever.
3: Um, yes, oh, smashed- good stuff
0: smashed all our records so uh you know uh a bit uh, unlike eddie jones's team we we seem to be entertaining the uh the people (laughs) out there and uh they they keep coming back for more so pete um let's uh, focus then on the game against sale um going into the game what what were your thoughts uh about how it might pan out
1: well i think realistically tony we all knew that that bath game wasn't Really, a test, and that we knew that Sale was going to be a totally different uh, kettle of fish, and we knew that they would come with a a game plan that would try and stifle us. We knew that they had a a pack full of big big units that would that wouldn't shirk from collisions, and we knew that they'd they'd have a defensive line that worked. So, you know, I was I was being pragmatic in my expectations, to be honest, Tony. I thought it was going to be a, a tough game, but I. I did think that we would prevail, I've got to say, and I thought that perhaps we would probably, you know, have a bit of an arm wrestle for for maybe a half and a bit and then we would pull away at the end. And it was a little bit disappointing when um Stephen Luatu pulled out. I just kind of felt the omens were a little bit against us. Um and uh you know, obviously and then I started looking at their squad and I looked at Fafta-Clerk and I looked at McGuinty and I looked at Dupreez and I thought, you know, we're we're going to have our, our work cut out tonight. And, and obviously, you know, it, it came to it. But I've got to say, I, I don't think we've got a huge amount of complaints about what happened in the end. It was a very tight game. It could have gone... Either way, it, on another day we might have won, but there was a, quite a lot of stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, will be taken as learnings as we as we know.
0: And Lee, let me come to you. Um, Pete just mentioned it there. Stephen Luatua uh, having to pull out at the last minute with a, 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 a calf injury. Um, how, how much do you think that uh, affected the game? Um, if 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 he was there, do you think that might have been just the difference having the captain there to keep things organised?
2: Yeah, I mean, I do agree with Pete. I think this was was always going to be a a really tight, tense game. But I I do think that if you've got someone like Lua Two on that pitch, obviously we're at our international players, someone of that experience and that that kind of reliability on the pitch. Um, Is always, you're always going to struggle without a player like that. And I I do think that that could have just been that, that, that just that little factor that would have maybe got us through at the end.
0: And Miles, let me come to you. We knew that Morahan and Ran Randra wouldn't be playing. They were listed as unavailable on Thursday lunchtime. Um, what we didn't know was the, um, well, I say injury, but the um, the the scare, if you like, the tear <laughs> in the muscle for Ran Randra and the fact that they wanted to be safe rather than sorry. Uh, and now that he's going to be out. Uh, we think, six to nine weeks. Um, again, do you think that's the kind of thing that um, you know would have given a boost to sale pre-match,
3: knowing what a, a world-class player he is? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. I mean, that was a bit of a bomb that Pat dropped, wasn't it? And I think <laughs> as, as massive fans of Radraja, it, it, it slightly sort of sends a chill down my spine that we're not going to have him for that long. Um and, I mean, well, he obviously ran a billion metres last week, and maybe that's the reason why he's got a little tear in his knee. But, yeah, that would probably was a massive bonus to Sale. I mean, you know, they obviously came with a plan in the first place. They stuck to it, executed it brilliantly, and it was very effective. And you're right. I mean, they put us under a lot of pressure, and I did feel in the centre to have someone like Semi may have just really added something different, a little quickness of speed in a turn, and may have just broken their excellent defence line.
0: Right, Miles was talking about semi then, and you put your hand up, Lee.
2: I just want to say, actually, I got drawn into that. Um, you know, we were talking last week about um, what John Evely would was saying about kind of the injury front and how little we know at the moment and how Rob Baxter is, is quite, you know, open. And I, I got drawn into this whole thing that one semi wasn't, playing, I thought that's an absolute, mass, uh, a, a complete tactical uh, master plan from Pat, because Cell would have been obviously training all week
3: mm-hmm.
2: with semi in the picture. And I thought, just resting him for this game, I thought that's, that's going to completely throw them off course. And I got completely drawn into it. And then obviously when I found out that the injury was actually real and it was to, to that extent. I thought, oh my goodness, it's like this. It's, it's, um, it, I agree with Miles. I was absolutely thinking, uh, it's a big, big loss for us.
0: Um, and Pete, one of the things that the, the club seem to have done over the last few games is uh, instead of list people as injured, they've been listing them as unavailable. Um, and I suppose that's fine when you know people are away on England or Wales duty but uh, do you kind of find it strange that all of a sudden the the news about injuries and the seriousness of injuries seems to have dried up completely Yeah I mean it is strange you know, I, I wonder whether it's
1: something to do with our kind of lofty position that now we're at top of the tree we're, we're having to be a little bit more cute or cuter as it were about some of this information that gets out there because we know that everyone's gunning for us Um, it's a difficult one I I don't know maybe it's uh, maybe it's a new policy maybe it's just just that they're not 100% sure I mean just going back to your question that you said to Miles which I'm not sure he answered was uh, would Semi have made a difference if he was playing (laughs) I think I'm not I don't think he would have made a huge difference because I think their their defense their line speed was so quick if Semi had been playing at outside centre. I don't think he would have got the ball (laughs) much, but I do, because Piers O'Connor had virtually no space whatsoever. So I don't think that um, Semi would have massively made a difference. But then the only thing I could think of is that we could have used him more of a, he would have been quite a good decoy because I think they obviously would have been scared for him. And I think we didn't quite have that. And, you know, we, we, (laughs) we miss that, that subtlety. Where we could have had decoys in the middle to suck in maybe two or three of their rush defense and then somehow pop it round the back, and we never quite did that and I, I was so perhaps in that sense that might have been ironically the use of semi not actually giving him the ball but but using him as a as a as a as a decoy, but we 'll never know will we
0: that threat no miles let me come to you then because um we got off to a pretty good start the brinoceros scored his uh third try in two games uh 16 minutes um we go seven
3: seven nil up um what were your thoughts at that point well i well exactly i thought well we're onto a winner here i mean he's I did comment on a little WhatsApp group. He's probably going to be nearly our top scorer by the end of the season if he carries on with these scores. He's proving to be pretty invaluable, isn't he, in his position. Uh, he's become such a good player, such an integral part, I think, of Pat's current number one choice of hooker. And I think ongoing it'd be pretty hard, really, to see him moving out of sort of first-choice position. Um, I, I think he's fantastic at the moment. And luckily, he hasn't had any injuries and he's, he's playing so well.
0: Indeed. Pete, let me come to you because I just wanted to ask a quick question about scrum halves before we come to to Lee. Um, it was always going to be quite a battle, wasn't it? You've got Faf de Klerk, one of the best scrum halves in World Rugby at the moment, World Cup winner uh, and Andy Uren that despite having a really good game against Bath has played second fiddle to Harry Randall really for most of this season um, Was it inevitable that um, Fath was going to shine in in this game? Um,
1: It was always going to be a risk. I I don't think it was inevitable. I think it's always easier to be a scrum half behind a a forward-thinking pack and a dominant pack. And, of course, Andy you know, slipstreamed behind a rampaging pack against Bath. And he did the, you know, he, he did a great job. You still got to do the right things at the right time. But it, you know, I think there must've been a caveat in a lot of people's minds that a lot of scrum halves would have played well in that game. Um... He didn't have that against Sale. It was a difficult night for him, and I, I I, didn't feel he played particularly badly. I just think he didn't have that go forward. Um, there are a few little technical things perhaps he could have done better, but I, I just think it's the other way. I think Faf de Klerk was, um, was impeccable, and in a way, he completely ignored Arendt. It wasn't about him against Andy. It was about him doing all the things that he was told he had to do. His kicking, his tactical kicking was just so on point. It was crazy. It was filthy. And uh, there was some of his defence was unbelievable. There was a few times where he kind of ran around the back of his forwards to make the tackle. And there was one tackle he did on Yoen Lloyd, didn't he? When he took Yoen Lloyd, man and ball, uh, that was extraordinary. So I, in some ways, I just think it, it was Andy... Had a tough night because it wasn't the environment wasn't difficult, and it was amplified by the fact that I thought Faf Clerk was was absolutely outstanding in in all areas. I've got to say.
0: And I, I think as well, at one point, the little blonde bombshell took on Nathan yeah. Hughes, didn't he? Well, and uh, put it smashed
1: down. Nathan so hard that it put Nathan's put Nathan's hair back into plaits, didn't it? it was, <laughs> <laughs> that was. That it point, I've got to say, Tony, when you with I was thinking about what were the highlights of the game, and that was one of my top three highlights. Was actually Staff de Klerk tackling Hughes. It wasn't Hughes smashing someone else. It was. It was brilliant for a rugby purist. It was. It was brilliant. <laughs>
0: OK, Lee, let me come to you then. Um, your, your thoughts on the game and particularly um, who, who do you think uh, performed well uh, from the Bristol side?
2: Um, the first thing I want to say is it all feels a bit sombre. <laughs> <Our podcast, that's laughs> just... I've just made a joke <laughs> about Nathan's hair. I, I know, but that was the, that was the first chink in the, in, the, in the somberness of the evening. I mean, we're 15 minutes in and... I mean, it just feels like the complete opposite of what we were doing last week. And I just want, I just, sorry, Tony, I apologize for ignoring your question for a second. But I just want to throw this one out just for a bit of humor. I just wonder. I want to ask Miles a question. Do you think Chris Cook? <laughs> do you think Chris <laughs> Cook would, have, would have performed better than Andy Urri this week? <laughs> uh,
3: well, you know, obviously not, because we've now had to get another scrum half in, haven't we? As backup. <laughs> so, oh dear, yeah. I, I'll, I'll leave that on you. But you, you know, I'm a massive fan of Andy, but he was a little bit sloppy at times, despite the pressure. A little bit disappointing, but he was under massive pressure. And hence he was a little bit slower in the breakdown.
2: I mean, for for, for me, I, I felt that it was just that kind of um, that speed, that quickness, that awareness. Um, you know, at the breakdown, it was, and it, and it is only, and I'm not slating Andy Uren at all, but it's just it, that level is milliseconds, and I, I think it, for me, it really highlighted the fact that we we really did miss Harry Randall this week.
0: Uh, absolutely. I think, I think it possibly could have been a different result if Randall was there just, to, uh, just to keep things moving that, that little bit quicker, maybe one or two tap penalties Um and I certainly thought I couldn't see Sale keeping up that level of kind of line speed and their defense for 80 minutes, but they did, you know, credit to them, they did. Uh, and although they are a huge pack full of gnarly South Africans, actually what, what was quite pleasing was actually how we dominated the scrum. Mm. Um, I think our line out was 100%. And the drive-in mall, again, worked worked really well. Um, Miles, let, let, let me come to you. Um, we had an opportunity late in the first half, decided to kick for the corner, uh, use that drive-in mall, and um, Byrne had the ball in his hands, but uh, we didn't quite make it. How much of a difference do you think that would have made if we could have gone in with that score just before
3: halftime? Uh, you know what, Tony? I was I was one of a few Bristol fans this weekend who thought we should have maybe taken the three points. Um, I mean, looking at the play and the decision before that, a Fowler perhaps looks like he made the decision. I don't know if, if Lua Tua would have done the same, but I think in a tight game like that, I would have gone for the three. And fair play. Our driving ball is normally impeccable, but it's not the first time, is it, that either Cape on or Byrne have sort of fumbled it on the line and we've not got over the line. Um, Sale are a massive pack, as Pete said, and we have made the odd mistake. You know, ordinarily, you're right, if we'd have got over, been another score up, I think we would have won that game. So, i, I you obviously are backtracking and said we should have taken the three and gone into half time a bit further ahead. So it's a bit disappointing.
0: Okay, well, Lee wanted a comedy moment then, or a bit more humour in the podcast. Let me come to you, Pete. Um, we're talking about the the try that wasn't just before half time. What did you think about the refereeing of that incident? Well. Yeah this is what I've been thinking about this because a couple of things firstly
1: I just thought it was a bit odd that we were piling towards the line on a massive shove it goes down and they don't the refs didn't appear to think there was anything any foul play on in terms of sale. it wasn't a knock on was it it was just like we came down short of the line um which I just find quite interesting that usually you would assume somebody's collapsing the mall on that um, but anyway moving on from that then of course Luke Pearce then said Bristol do you think you've scored
0: <laughs> and of
1: course I'm assuming I am assuming that somebody said yes sir <laughs> and then I thought, well, why did you go to the TMO then? I mean, why did you ask the question? And, and I, I wondered whether this was all part of Luke Pearce's sort of strategy that was very clear throughout the game of trying to speed everything up. And he thought, oh, I'll just bypass the TMO and just ask Bristol if they'd scored. And of course, I'm one of these people that thinks, well, if you ask a question, you've got to be ready to accept all the answers that you get. So. I mean, it, I don't think I've ever heard. I don't know whether I've ever seen that. It, it almost caps Carl Dixon's. Uh, I know they got the ball down, but I'm not sure how they got. Exactly <laughs> <good>. uh, <laughs> Exeter. So, I just I think maybe old Luke Pierce got caught up in the, in the moment. I mean, I, I don't know, Tony. I don't know what you think. It, it seemed like a very extraordinary thing that if you ask that question and then
0: you get the answer. Yes. Surely you've got to give the try. I mean, where does it stop? Would you like the line out? Yeah. <laughs> do you think that was forward, that pass? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, where, where, where does it stop? And I, I, I want to come to Lee because one thing we talked about, we're recording at our normal slot on Sunday evening, but um, I suppose it didn't help that, you know, Bristol weren't winning by 10, 15, 20 points and it was f- free-flowing rugby. But Luke Pierce, it started to get on my nerves because I don't know if his mic was louder than normal, uh, but it just seemed to be the Luke Pierce show. I think he said more than the commentators did. Now, now it certainly wound me up, and I don't know if it's just me, but Lee, h- h- how did you feel about that?
2: No, I felt exactly the same tone. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, we all want a quick game. I think we'd all agree, you know, speeding things up in the breakdown, that's thats great for the game and I think uh, Pat has already you know said that over the last few weeks but but that mic was literally just Luke Pierce it was the Luke Pierce show it was it was just absolutely constant wasn't it and it, it almost I mean it got to a point where I'd switched off at a certain point because I was just listening to his voice and I wasn't watching the game it was it was driving me absolutely nuts to be honest
0: yeah, no, I think, I think it certainly was, uh, certainly was distracting. We all, we all want a quick game, but we don't want a, just a constant uh, noise of the referee. Miles. Um, let, let's, let's talk about some of the performances then. Um, who, who were the players that stood out for you from Bristol?
3: Uh, not too many, but I thought big John Afoa, who put in a full shift of eight minutes, was just immense again. I mean, on, on the thing on his side of the scrum, he didn't put a foot wrong. And I also think you you said that we didn't make really too many areas in the lineouts in the scrum. Chris Vu is impeccable as well, really. I mean, he got every ball in the lineout and it was just solid. So those boys really stood out for me.
0: And Pete, let me come to you. Uh, Would you agree with that? Any names you want to mention? Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think,
1: you know, I think we
0: fronted up very well. They're
1: an aggressive pack. And I think Alex Sanderson, after the game, commented on the fact that, you know, Bristol had really been hard to break down, and that is what they'd clearly kind of focused on all week: was that we've got to stop the forward momentum of the pack. Because if they're going forward, then we can whip it out. So I don't think we've got many complaints about the grunt that our forwards did. I thought they were brilliant. It was just that we didn't quite have that that go forward that we've had in the that we particularly did against Bath. You know, when we had the little pods of a foer to Burn to Hughes and getting that momentum, and therefore it did put. Yohan Lloyd and particularly under a lot of pressure um, and I mean I thought he he had a difficult game but he's 19 but I actually thought he tried a little bit to, to he, he did a couple of little grubbers you know he realised that their rush defence was what was the problem um, and and on another day, something might have come off. I mean, he's, he, he, he was really willing. i got to say, though, boys, I don't know about you, but when I hear commentators say, oh, it was a very fast line speed and a rush defence, I mean, how far does that become a euphemism for offside? Because, yeah. I mean, Piers O'Connor was getting man and ball. <laughs> Like when you get, and I just think it's not the people it's not those players near the ruck that the ref's reffing it's the ones it's like the outside centres that I'm, and I think that Bristol have to be cuter they knew that that line speed was, and even Pat mentioned afterwards that they knew that there was going to be a rush defence so I've was, I got to say I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't really have anything we didn't have any little flicker rounds and I wonder why that's because we're missing Sheedy because Sheedy is the master of those little delayed round the back passes to someone or Siali passing it to Shidi who spins it out and i just think you know i it's it's it, it, pier charles Piatow you know adam for a few moments he always looks dangerous but it was very difficult for any of our backline to, to to have a good game because they just didn't really have the the ball. Um, and poor old Seaver must be wondering what he's let himself in for because the one <laughs> game he hasn't played, he could have scored about ten tries. And virtually every other game he's played, we've, he's not got any space. So yeah, it was a it was a, it was a it was a tough night. But hey, let's not be a uh, disu- let's not be depressing about it, Lee. Eh?
0: Lee, go on. You wanted to make a comment. I just wanted to. to- Add to what Peter just said, basically.
2: I mean, I I thought for me, it really did emphasise the fact that the halfbacks were were that was that was the real game changer ultimately for us. as it, it, tight as it was, but I mean, we're talking about Fafta Clerk and AJ McGinty. I mean, that they're, they're a tried and tested pair. I do think that as well as. Um, no, I'm going to change that. What I'm going to say is Lloyd was learning on his feet during that game. And I thought he did absolutely immensely well for a 19-year-old to be put in that position. The learnings that you will take from that game will be absolutely massive. But I do think, as Peter just alluded to then, we did miss Callum Sheedy for for all the reasons that Peter just said. Um, But, I mean, what, what I would say is that These are the games, and I do think, I I hate us losing, obviously, but I do think that we would take so much more from this defeat than what we would have done if we had narrowly won. And I think this is like our this season's um, Worcester, for instance. And moving forward, I think that we've got a lot more ammunition in the bank to, to, to go into the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, well, I think I think I saw on social media that um, one one Sales Sharks fan said that uh, they they thought this was maybe one of their best performances in three years, and I think I think that sums it up to, for me really. Sail Sharks played out of their skins and got their game plan exactly right and executed it, uh, and we were just a bit under par on the day and didn't didn't adapt quickly enough to to the circumstances. Miles, I can see you're
3: waiting to come in with a cutting insight into well, the game well just to, off the back of that T C, we we knew that sale would be tough so do we need other game plans when we know we're going to defeat face teams like this other than our passing it and spinning out wide or driving malls I mean I mean a bit like England at the weekend what's our plan B I mean you know I know I know Lee said we were so quick but you know we play so deep don't we And occasionally, we just don't even break the game. I want to say occasionally, quite a lot of the time when it's not going our way. And, I mean, Lloyd's very good at chipping. So why not play like a slightly flatter line when he can chip through a bit more? But maybe against Sale, that never would have worked. But a bit bit of a different style of play maybe is sometimes needed against tough, tough sides like this. All right. I
0: I can see Pete (laughs) wants to make a a comment. And then we'll go on to, to Lee. And then we'll start to round up um, this. I oh, just
1: just saying good good points by Miles. Obviously Matt Crew has just texted him, so uh
0: would
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually just wanted to add one of the things it made me think about was was we had Sam Bedlow on the, the bench who has got a big boot on him. And I just wondered whether one of the things you can do with a rush defence is not necessarily the little chip overs, but actually smash one right back down the park and get your territory back, get get some territory, which is kind of the antithesis of the way we play to be honest but i i just wonder whether that was the, the thing that we could have done a bit more when we realized what they were doing and just just put the pressure back on them a little bit more um because we were always getting it on us but that was all i wanted to say so uh, well
0: done miles H- having said that Yarn <laughs> lloyd had one hell of a boot didn't oh, he out of oh, his yeah, uh yeah spiral know, that spiral kit. i'm
3: yeah. glad you said that, that too that, because
0: that,
1: that, that is true yeah
0: yeah, um, Lee, you want to make a point?
2: Well, Pete, it's stolen some of my some of my, um, my thunder just a second ago. But one thing I think we always say, and I'm going to take you to task here, Miles, <laughs> is that I, in no way, shape, or form, want to be of any any form of Eddie Jones's England, <laughs> right, and Bristol in the same sentence
3: <laughs> because.
2: Because that's just wrong, Miles. That's just I, uh, wrong. <laughs> on,
3: this week, on this weekend, I 100% agree. In the same sentence, they should not, be, you know what not, he's not done? have been mentioned. He's
1: int- Miles has introduced a mutant rugby variant into our podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the South African
0: one. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So, so, should we send him to self isolate then for, yeah. uh, for, for 10 about days. six months <laughs> Okay. Well, let's start to round things up. A couple of observations for me. Um, First was around Jake Walmore, um, who who had a decent game, but he, he seems to be getting this game and the last game. Uh, he, he's popping up before the scrum sets. There's something just almost like, unless he's 100% comfortable, which you could argue, all right, you should do that. There was like two, maybe three times where yeah. he, he just seemed at the last second to, to pull out. So I'm not quite sure what was going on there. Thought Jan Thomas came on and again, looked looked really good. And hopefully whatever injury that he had isn't too serious because I think Jan is playing an increasingly important part of our squad. Um, Shaparo um, came on. So it's nice to see him in the, the match 23, the Argentinian tight head. Um, I don't think he touched the ball, but um, uh, it, it's good to see that he's he, he's in there. Um, and the other thing that slightly surprised me is that we, we didn't try maybe Kessel. Um, and bring him on for the last mm. 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. And he, as we've said, didn't have his greatest game. Um, and I just wondered whether that would have changed things up a little bit. Um, but then, you know, we are starting to get a bit short on um, scrum halves, aren't we? Because we had to call in the guy from Bristol University on a kind of short-term loan uh, just to provide that that cover. So maybe Pat thought, well, you know maybe i won't i won't risk him so who knows but th- those were the points um so let's have a look at the other results from this weekend wasps 17 uh, northampton saints 22 wasps falling um uh, quite rapidly down the table um Bath 15, Harlequins 28. So the Bath misery continues there. Leicester 41, Worcester 24. Again, Leicester slowly building again. Irish 32, Gloucester 26. Another defeat to Gloucester. We're going to talk about them in a minute, but. They were very uh, fortunate to get a late, late try in that game, which uh, salvaged two points for them. Uh, But without that, then uh, that that would have really been a a bad result. And then uh, today's game, Newcastle 9, Exeter 15. So Exeter pick up the win, but without a bonus point. So uh, a little bit of a silver lining for us this weekend. So the league table stands Bristol top on 30 points, Exeter second on 28, Sale third on 27 and then it's uh, uh, West Country at the top and it's West Country at the bottom because we've got Bath uh, or Gloucester Bottom on nine Worcester 10 and Bath 12 so um west country rugby you're either up or or you're down at the moment and uh, w- before we move on from this weekend there was one other result i wanted to highlight uh let, let me come to you pete because i can see lee's supping a pint as we talk um and that was in saracens 26 Ealing 39 um how much can we read into that result uh well, it's the second
1: defeat in a row uh for Saracens against Ealing, so if I was a Saracens fan i'd 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 have a few concerns i've got to say um obviously it's not a kind of fully loaded Saracen side um obviously one or two Saracens were were busy elsewhere allegedly were they <laughs> uh, allegedly they were doing something on Saturday. I'm not quite sure it was what what they did um it's interesting it's it's making the kind of old Debate about the relegation, the ring fencing, the championship. It's, it's throwing a few uh, grenades into that debate. Debate, And I think the most important thing that came out of it was that uh, our mate Tom Whiteley played. Um, and then Miles thought he was going to be um, very <laughs> cutting edge by texting us and pointing out that... Uh, hey, lads, Tom Whiteley can play 10 as well as 9. And then, of course, I pointed out to him that he obviously hadn't listened to the podcast two weeks ago when the guy came on from the Saracens podcast to tell us that Whiteley can play 10 as well as 9. So uh, I think that was one of the biggest things that I took from um, from that game, Tony, is that Miles pays absolutely no attention to our
0: podcast. OK, well, let's let's move on. Uh, you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans we are available on Apple. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. So next game coming up, Friday the 12th of February, gloucester versus bristol at king's home uh, for the rifles cup before we talk about the game let's get some inside track uh, as pete spoke to ed from the cherry jam podcast um, a few days ago to give his thoughts on how the game would go
1: okay on the next edition of pete's premiership previews i'm delighted to be joined by ed price from gloucester's cherry jam podcast Um, So, Ed, really appreciate you coming on tonight to speak to us. Um, Now, I know that we actually spoke to you, or Tony spoke to you, uh, in August time, actually, when we were playing this fixture last year, and you would literally just started your podcast. And actually, uh, Semi Randranda, I think, was in his second game. And I do remember you lot suggesting that Semi might have been a a little bit of a luxury signing. Um, But, of course, since then, Bristol have won the European Challenge Cup Finish third in the Premiership and have a five-point lead at the moment. So I'm interested to to hear how
4: you would assess uh, Gloucester's progress since then. It's been good generally. Of course, it's not. It's been awful. Uh, thank you very much. I think you guys know that the the pod was started because of the sort of turmoil and uh, and pain and suffering that we were experiencing when and Ackerman and all the players started leaving last year. With the expectation that things would definitely pick up and we would be sort of at least mid-table, uh, little did we know it would get worse. Uh, so um, overall, overall, it's been it's been pretty awful. And generally, now the podcast is just some sort of masochistic horror show that I have to endure every week. And um, and and it's one of those things with with uh, when you're watching a team just implode, uh, it's normally fun to watch other teams do this. So Leicester, obviously, last year was quite enjoyable for everybody uh bath last weekend really enjoyed watching bath get thumped um only for obviously gloucester to to top it all off and uh, and and go ahead and have a put another abysmal performance in on a saturday
1: so i mean it hasn't been a great start to the season um uh, you know the table obviously shows that but i guess a lot of our our listeners you know have, have know a lot about Gloucester you know over the years it's a big rivalry would actually be quite interested to find out from you you know what, what's been going wrong and uh you know is there any particular
4: things that have have, have caused the, your bad start to the season uh, I mean there are genuine issues that are not related to coaching and things like that you know we've got a fairly bad injury list um We've obviously lost our star player in Danny Cipriani. There's a lot of turmoil that went with that. You don't know how that affected players. Um, even as we record today, uh, Chiba Hansen, our hooker from Australia, is returning to Australia. Uh, we're getting Sashino, I think, he's a uh, who's an Argentinian guy who split for Newcastle. He's joined. So there's been quite a large turnover of players. There are a lot of injuries. I think if you were to ask most Gloucester supporters, though, the main issue... This, or the perceived issue is probably our style of play. Gloucester under Ackerman played a very exciting brand of rugby, often too exciting. You know, we'd throw the ball around a little bit like Bristol did when they came up, when you came up a few years ago and, um, and that first season, it was kind of, we're going to play from everywhere um, with no idea of whether that was good or bad. Um, but then we've then gone to the absolute polar opposite. And the idea at the moment we do now is just kick the ball away. Um, and it's, I mean, I've seen so Statistics about how good our defence is in terms of our number of tackles. Yeah, you would do that when you give the opposition seventy percent of the ball. Um, and and the problem is, is sort of gain like the the red zone defence is actually pretty good. We we mm. we're normally quite good at stopping um, a try in those situations. But the problem is we're not great when they're running from seventy yards out, like Northampton did the week. But yeah, it's it's generally style of play, and I think that's. That malaise and that issue is now starting to become more of a problem um, in that I don't see, or a lot of supporters certainly don't see a way out of that. We've got to have to sort of stick with that now because we're kind of too far down the rabbit hole. There are some positives. Some of the kids who have come in in the last six months um, have stepped up. Um, there's been a few uh, encouraging performances uh, in the forwards like Geordie Reed for example who um I imagine probably will play mainly because there's no one else um and um you know the, there's a few players who stepped up but the the biggest concern now is we don't really have any uh reserves in terms of injuries you know we've, uh, Lloyd Evans looks like he's out for a considerable time and the the alternatives are Billy 12 Trees who's not really a 10 or George Barton, who's about five. Yeah. So you've got to, um, um, and that's that's it. and the only real positive in the last few weeks is Willie Hines is back. Mm. So yeah, it's pretty bleak. To cap it all, you, you've then
1: lost your probably your two star wingers to uh, the international call ups with the uh, May and Reese Sammit as well, I guess. And.
4: Yeah, I mean, you'd think that'd be a big problem, but as they don't get the ball anyway, it's not too much of an issue. Well, they, they, they just sort of stand out on the wing and kind of hope for the best. They just they just don't get any ball. Um, and I do feel a little bit sorry for Johnny May, because you think, oh, I'm going to go to England and I'll get some ball. And you see how Eddie Jones sets up and you're like, well, no. It, it, it is it is frustrating because we do have, you know, potentially probably one of the quickest and most exciting back lines in the premiership, but the tactics don't allow them to get the ball. And, um We've it's it's just so frustrating. I mean, that's the sort of bottom line, really.
1: So you, I mean, you've got a, obviously a, a relatively young DOR in one of this kind of new wave of good coaches, great players. I mean, from what I've seen from Skivington and some of the interviews after games, he seems like a you know a thoughtful uh, sort of guy. But you know, do you
4: feel he's struggling in that position? Is he is he too young? Not enough experience? It's it's a difficult one because. Again, there's a lot of stuff that's gone against him in a very short period of time. I think we've mentioned on the pod that the, of all the teams in the Premiership to not have a crowd, Gloucester probably is the one that's been affected the most, um, where you'd normally probably get maybe 10 points a, a game from, a, from just the crowd alone, you know, from pressure on the referee. But at the same time, he's the one who's instituted this style of play, this game plan. Um, there's been some interesting selection choices uh, even before the injury crisis, et cetera. I, I'm we, well, we, we mentioned on this week's pub, which is going to be going out um, probably tomorrow that the, there is a debate whether he should be sacked, which let's really? be honest, six months in. Yeah. Six months. And if you see social media on and things like that, there's a lot of comments about whether he's the right man for the job. I'm not at that point yet. Myself, the, guys on the pod are pretty happy if we can keep, you know, he'll just give them a chance. Um, A lot of it, I think, sort of rides on whether they get rid of relegation, because if there's a genuine chance that Gloucester could go down, um, which there is, let's be honest, if relegation isn't removed, um, I do wonder whether people might press a button and say, look, we can't allow this. This has to, we can't allow ourselves to go down.
1: I feel a bit depressed for you, actually, Ed. But why did we? <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is a really depressing part of the pod, we look isn't it? Sorry. To the game, uh, <laughs>
4: the uh, the
1: renewal of the Rifles Cup, which was uh, mm. um, and and uh, how do you kind of realistically see potentially that game panning out? I mean, you are at home,
4: so so that's one thing to start with. That, that is one thing. Um, I mean, at, at this point, it's probably going to be a case of what fifteen we put out. Um, <laughs> I think, let's, let's be realistic, at the moment, Bristol are top for a reason and Gloucester are bottom for a reason. Um, even in our wildest dreams with a packed shed and a, a full ground, I think we would probably struggle. I, I think if we can keep it a sensible score, if we can have a go, if we can, um, you know, make Bristol work, very similar, we've kind of mentioned before we started recording about Saracens and the fact that they, they made it an arm wrestle, um, and obviously Bristol were, won that game. But make it an arm wrestle. Make, so don't give people like Rondragado and uh, and uh, Purdy, uh, Nathan Hughes. You know, they, 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 there's like there's strike runners and there's powerful people all over the pitch. who can cause chaos and uh, and punish you if you make mistakes. So it's a case of you know we've got to play. Uh, intelligently which we haven't been doing in the last few weeks I, I, I'll be honest I would expect Bristol probably would win, will win with a bonus point it's just what Gloucester can do to counteract that um, and it, it's just making sure it's not as embarrassing as Bath had it last weekend um, I, I mean genuinely I think you know we, we talk about uh, we, we sort of chat to each other and we talk about Bristol and you can't not admire them they're, they're, a, they're a really really attractive Team to watch. It's quite simple. I mean, we, you know, it's a pod. It's basically a pod system with, um, uh, with but played at pace and at, with power and with depth. Um, and I'm glad, in a way, that there is there are there is a team out there that's playing that type of rugby, rather than the Exeter or the Saracen style, which is what we're trying to play. Um, I'm, I quite enjoy watching Bristol put sides to the slaughter because that they, they, they are really attractive to to watch, and it hopefully will maybe end this quite dull malaise of a rugby uh, style that sort of developed in the last year or two with the kicking Mm. so yeah it's you know I it'll be it'll be a good game to watch um, and I would expect probably it'll end up something like 30 odd 20 odd maybe to Bristol Um, yeah we do uh, genuinely wish you uh, all the very best
1: of luck with the podcast and also the best of luck for the rest of the season but maybe not uh, in 10 days time but I really appreciate you coming on. Cheers, Ed.
0: Pete, another good uh, good interview there um, and a very honest assessment from Ed. Um, I almost felt at one point that you might need to pass on the Samaritans number to him. He was... <laughs> he was he, he was getting so down but um, obviously big problems at uh, at Gloucester. yeah
1: yeah it was uh, I think he
0: quite enjoyed the therapy session to be honest um,
1: yeah interesting stuff I mean it, it's interesting because I, I like the, the point he made that they'd started the podcast uh, because they felt that there might be some sort of resurgence at Gloucester and obviously kind of a not a parallel with us because we started our podcast at the start of the the kind of the the bears project as it were and obviously we've been very lucky in that everything has gone in a kind of upward trajectory for us which has made it such an amazing thing to do and poor old Cherry Jam have have almost uh, turned it into as you say some sort of therapy session Um, yeah I mean it's kind of interesting I, I think the interesting thing that came out of it was was the the reservations they have uh, about the way that the the club may be going in terms of a, a vision and a game plan? Um, and he was a bit, you know, he was kind of depressed about that, wasn't he? As much as the results, um, but you know, we've Gloucester are a uh, old and respected foe, so you know, we we've got to be careful.
0: Never going to be easy. Um, But, Lee, how much of a difference do you think it makes when Bristol go to King's Home uh, and the shed is empty that they haven't got that 16th man? uh, at the grounds, because obviously it's one of the great rugby grounds uh, in English rugby, uh, and, and certainly that closeness to the pitch um, and uh, the noise and uh, the, the banter that you get from uh, being uh, at that ground uh, can make a difference.
2: Well, as as we well know, Tony, um, from a couple of years ago when we were singing at halftime, and, uh... But yeah, it's gonna make a massive difference because I mean Kings Home is it is one of the greatest um rugby stadiums you can you can watch a game at and the you know I for one I'm, I'm really disappointed and upset the fact that Gloucester are down there and I know um you know it, we're Bristol through and through, but they're they they are you know it, they, they shouldn't be at the bottom of the table, you know, for me and that should it, be Bath. Yeah, obviously, of course, it should be. Um, it will. It will make a massive difference because, obviously, you know the the, the king's own faithful are absolutely passionate through and through. So it, it does make our job a little bit easier, I would say. Um, and it was a great interview, by the way, Pete. Again, and I think there's there's a lot of problems inside that that club at the moment, which. I think the only thing that might rescue them this season is um, is well is obviously lack of relegation and hopefully at some point they'll they'll rebuild again. But Ed from Cherry Jam, I mean, they're lovely guys, aren't they? They really are, and you know, full respect for him. And I I just hope he's he's not done any damage to himself uh, after the interview.
0: Well, that was interesting. I mean, the interview was before the Ran Ranja um, news came out. So um, I I saw him put a tweet out saying, oh, that that might narrow the uh, kind of Level of defeat uh, or narrow it. I think it's interesting you you touch there upon ring fencing, which uh, if you looked at the the kind of media and rumours was going to get rubber stamped uh, for this season. But uh, it does appear that BT Sport uh, have got something to say about that and wanting to uh, keep the games competitive at the bottom because there's something to play for. So uh, you know, it uh, it it might not happen. Um, but then again, you know. If there's a team like Gloucester or Bath in in twelfth place come the end of the season, you you almost got a feeling that uh, uh, that they'll be saved. It's it's, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So let 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 me come to you, Miles. Um, After that defeat uh, against Sale, do you see Pat changing things up much? Has he got uh, many cards to play with with uh, uh, the the international boys away?
3: Um, I'm not too. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, TC. Who's got too many to call upon in our squad that who either aren't injured or inter, on or international duty. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think with semi-injured, there's talk of Luke have maybe being back for the Gloucester game, isn't there? Which which would be good. Um, and and I think you're right. In previous years, I just reiterate what the boys said. I, I'd be scared of going to Gloucester with a full crowd at the shed. And thinking if we could pull off a win, that would be an amazing result. But their form of late is, is really bad. They've had some unfortunate losses. They shouldn't be where they are. So I think, you know, we'll send a good squad. And I think we may have to send the same team and the same bench with the current climate. OK, uh,
0: Pete, what do you think then? Do you see some changes for the, the trip to home?
3: not really
1: I, I think we didn't massively do anything wrong I think this is the thing about that game we've agreed that I think we, Pat will tweak a few things in, in training obviously maybe talk about what you do under pressure but I think the pack uh, you know you mentioned Jan Thomas is if, if he's injured or not um, you know whether he'll start or whether he'll be on the bench I just think obviously I assume it's hard to know isn't it but if is out uh, you know maybe Vui will start flanker again uh but obviously we've got heenan who's a, who's a very able deputy uh i i don't know really i think I mean, i'm i sure people like purdy and Tau and o'connor we desperate to be playing because they didn't really get much to do on friday so you know they, they've they still got a little pent-up demand in their bodies so I, I i think it's uh it'll be fairly similar and you know we will just we'll just you know, not worry too much about the sale result, and and you know, know that it was a, a very tough night, and we just carry on regardless. Not no panic whatsoever.
0: Uh, and Lee, let me come to you. Um, your, your thoughts on the team on the the twenty three squad?
2: I think this is the the perfect. I mean, injuries aside, I think this is the perfect time to to get the boys out there again and. Um, they've tasted defeat now and I think what better way to, to you know to, to come back from that is throwing them completely into the next game and say, right, let's go again. What have you learned from last week? Let's take that into this week and let's beat Gloucester at Kings home, which let's face it hasn't happened very often over the the, he- the years historically. Um and I I I'm I'm fully Anticipating a a decent Bristol win this weekend.
0: Okay, we'll come on to score predictions in a moment. I think one of the things for me, if it had been Any other opponent at any other ground, whether we may have considered resting John Afoa for uh, a week, especially with the new Argentinian guy uh, coming in. Um, but I think Afoa will be absolutely championing the bit, and he's he's probably been our, our most consistent player over the last uh two matches. So and, and uh, he can walk home, Tony, after the game. <laughs> absolutely, quick uh. Quick one in uh, what's the what's the pub just outside the ground? Oh, uh, the uh, Raff is no Teagues Bar. Teague's Bar. Teague's Bar, yeah. Quick, 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 pickled egg and uh, a, a pint in Teague's Bar, and it will will be all right, won't he? So uh yeah, I, I I'm with you guys. I can't see a huge amount of change because um, we're not exactly down to the bare bones. But uh, unless people come back from the current injury or unavailability list, um, I I think it will be pretty much a similar 23. So let's uh, go for some score predictions then. Uh, We'll go to Miles first. How do you see this one panning out? What is the score you are going to predict?
3: I have written down, boys, a quick one for you. I I, I think we'll dominate them after last week. I'm going to predict 24-10 to the Bears
0: okay pete let me come to you your score prediction
1: i'm gonna go 25 12
2: okay and lee 26
0: 14 10 oh. <laughs> <laughs> well it's all getting very cagey isn't it very cagey <laughs> um I I am gonna go for um twenty-eight twelve. Um <laughs> oh, just as <laughs> What a wild card there.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um I I think we I think we will win. I think Gloucester's style of play will suit us. I don't think they're going to do a sale to us. Um but uh they, they are scrapping at the moment and desperately need a win. And uh you can imagine the boost they would get if they managed to to put one over on us. Um so let's uh move on. Well, before we do, let's just have a look at the other fixtures. Um sale uh at home to Bath.
3: Can only oh, see that going oh, see, oh, see that going oh, one way,
0: really. Yeah. Uh Queens Leicester, that could be quite an interesting game. Both teams are playing pretty well at the moment. Exeter at home to London Irish. Uh, you would think that's a comfortable Exeter win. Um and probably a five-pointer. Um, then we have Northampton against Newcastle. Northampton and again, like Leicester, another one that are coming on the outside rail uh, and uh, have strung a few results together. Lee, you wanted to say something I, there?
2: I was just going to say, but but no, damn bigger, and I think that makes a massive difference to that Saints side. So I think that would be the you know the the, the recent resurgence. May be halted this week,
0: okay, and then we have Worcester at home to wasps, and actually, with wasps' form in recent weeks, uh, I think Worcester must must fancy their chances there. I can see that being quite uh quite a close game. Right, so let's move on. Um, Before Friday's game, there was some very sad news for Bristol supporters when it was announced that John Pullen, the hooker, the legendary Bristol hooker, and I don't use that term lightly, um, had had passed away. Now, John Pullen played for for Bristol, I think it was for about 10 years, from the mid-60s to the mid-70s, captained England uh, and won 42 caps for England, along with seven caps for the British Lions, went on uh two tours and i i got the old history book out um uh at the weekend um and when you look at the number of international caps especially english international caps won by a player at bristol while they've been a bristol player um he is way in front of anyone in fact nobody across any international team has won more caps while at Bristol. And of course, seven Lions caps as well, um, as well as captain in his country. So uh, really one of the all-time greats for Bristol rugby. And I want to come to uh, you, Lee as as the born and bred Bristolian, I I did the column for the Bristol Post, which will which will be out on Monday. And I, I think the club need to to recognise this player uh, and what he achieved. So you, your thoughts on that, uh, and what would be a, a suitable um kind of memorial for, for John Pullen? Yeah, Tone, I mean the the
2: the column is is fantastic um for the, for the post this week. I mean, this guy, and I know we don't use this term lightly, but John Pullen is an absolute legend. Um, I mean, I, I I would go as far as to say, can we name possibly the safe stand after after him? Um, I mean, I do think that we are kind of. I mean, this is this is the guy who captained England in in Dublin, in seventy-three, I think it was, um, with the, the the height of the troubles in Northern Ireland. And I know we, we England got a beast in that day, but the the famous the famous line that he came out with was at least we turned up. And and this was a very humble guy. He was a farmer, he was a man of the soil. Um and he he just bled Bristol. And I mean i mean i'm saying this from the point of view that this was all before my time and there was there was people out there who would would have seen this guy play and you know just watching some of the footage back um the barbarians the, the try was the only englishman to get uh, his hands on the ball for the try for the barbarians against new zealand um i mean this is a, an absolute legend and i think it would be fitting if we could if we could certainly Um, and and I think the club will the club will do something very very important I think
0: Pete let me come to you one of the suggestions I've seen on social media is uh, obviously we've got Atio at one end of what's called Dolman Way Uh, could there be a a statue for pulling at the other end Um, your your thoughts on that or do you think there's another way of of recognising his achievements (laughs) well um, yeah I mean
1: you know statues haven't had a a, a, a good, a good press in Bristol <laughs> in recent times, but um, I think this is a case where this is a, a, prop, a statue for a proper reason, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. I mean, why not? I mean, the, now that the rugby club are. You know I'm embedded into Ashton Gate and you know obviously I'm sure Bristol City fans would be won't rem- won't like me reminding them that you know it was a rugby match that's got the highest attendance Ashton Gate now is that think perhaps there there, there should be a, a maybe a, a comparable statue at one end of 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 the the walkway to to kind of build the whole one sport ethos that uh that has obviously steve lansdowne has has been uh been driving towards so yeah i mean it's uh it's up for grabs isn't it i'm sure people will have for lots of things, I, I like the idea of a, of naming a stand. I mean, it's the same idea that you could have start to have a bit of rugby and football crossover within the stadium, and uh, and I mean, I hesitate to that a little bit if there's Bristol City fans listening, but you know, this is the the 21st century, and and it's we're all kind of building together with the kind of Bristol sport thing. So I think, yeah, I think something like that would something obvious, something that sticks out, something that makes people visiting fans you know question and ask who that is and, and and ask more questions i mean that's why you want these things is to is yeah. to raise profile about not just that individual but the but the you know the context within that individual uh, existed and 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 it is it links to the community as well as the individual skills of that player. So I think it has to be something visual. Um, and and I think whatever the club will do, I, I'm pretty sure it will be something very, very well done and and, and very tasteful.
0: Great stuff. And, and Miles, just final comment from you. Um, obviously, those were the glory days at the Memorial Stadium up, uh, up in the other side of Bristol. Do you think it matters that uh, pulling... He may well have played the odd game at Ashton Gate, but does it matter that uh, he, he didn't regularly grace the the turf down uh, here in BS3? Uh,
3: absolutely not. I mean, I reiterate what Pete said. Pete said, "I mean, we are a combined sports stadium now. There's no getting away from that." There's been amazing success with Bristol Bears. We all, you know, love our local football team, Bristol City, and I think we all have to accept that we. You share the same interest, loving of anything, Bristol. So I was going to far to say, yeah, name the South Stand after him. It would be fantastic Uh for John Pillen. Could,
0: could, could I just say uh, I'm, I'm football neutral in Bristol and uh big, big shout out to all the gas heads that uh, listen listen to the podcast week in, week out. So, uh <laughs> yeah um okay well let's, let 's let let 's move on um, I believe one fixture we we 've just mentioned briefly was uh that pile of absolute rubbish that was england 's performance against Scotland, and in many ways uh it, it felt like deja vu from Friday, except I would say Scotland played even better than sale, and England were considerably worse than Bristol. Um, I'm going to come to each of you and just in a couple of sentences, your thoughts and, you know, where do England go from here? So, Lee, let me come to you first.
2: Oh, well, this really is carrying on with the somber mood of the podcast tonight, isn't it? Um, <laughs> right, how do I sum this up in a few sentences? Right, so Eddie James, obviously we all know he's absolutely stubborn is We've got more than enough players in that side that can, that certainly could have beaten the Scotland team. Um, I think it was something like 52 minutes before I'd heard uh, Watson had touched the ball, probably even later than that, that Lawrence had touched the ball um, and it, it it just feels completely fragmented at the moment for England. And we are much better, much much better than what we we'd actually witnessed on on Saturday.
0: Okay, uh, Miles, your thoughts on the game?
3: Uh, I'm going to be a little bit, a little bit less polite to say it was absolute eighty minutes of dross from England. Uh, I mean, we all know that we have such such quality players in the Premiership in this country who are in form. And why, oh, why is Eddie Jones travelling around the country, breaking all those COVID rules to look at these players and never flipping pick them? I mean, his obsession with the Sarri's players, who looked absolutely, apart from a tojo maybe, unfit, like they'd been to the pub this weekend, was an embarrassment. Um, Goodness knows, something needs to change, but Eddie won't change it, sadly.
0: Uh, And Pete, uh, your thoughts
3: well, Tony, I just
1: think semi-final of the World Cup was one of the greatest England games I've, I remember watching. We played fast, attacking rugby. We dismantled the best side in the world. We then go and lose in the final after he's changed it. And that game on Saturday, have we come on anywhere since that final? Uh, why is the blueprint for England not being based on that semi-final rather than that final? And I've got to say, when we, if we relate it back to Bristol, the only good thing that happened was that, thank God, Ben Earl and Max Ballins only came on like for the last few minutes, so they weren't tainted by the utter dross that we saw. And can I just say, it's hard to say this, but I have to, how good were some of those Scottish players? I, I felt... I mean, I... Watson. What I mean if we could get Watson to Bristol. Hogg we know is down at Hogg was unbelievable. Wats a uh, Hamish Watson is like I, I we just need to we need to go and get him for the future. He is a great player. I, I thought he was fantastic. So great fair play to Scotland, but they were given uh they were given the opportunity by by a very very poorly selected poorly game planned and poorly executed England <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. Some of those Scotland players were were really good. And how good was Cameron Redpath, you know, um, uh, com- compared to the week before? Um, but I, I think one of the big factors for me, and I absolutely agree, you know, Eddie's just got one A plan and that's it. We were kicking the ball away um, just for nothing. Um, but to me, the, the ultimate factor in England losing was I, I think Scott, Scotland players were warmer because they were wearing a proper shirt with a collar. So, you know, it was cold at the weekend. There were no chills around the Scottish players' necks. How nice was it to see a rugby shirt with, with a proper collar and that lovely little touch of gold as well on the sleeve really like that um, <laughs> so I, I think the best the best <laughs> team won on the day and the best dress team uh, also won um, so uh, yeah congratulations Scotland and I, I just hope and pray Harry Randall doesn't Get uh, brainwashed into playing at scrum half that that kind of England way. Um, you know, it's great that he's training with those guys, and hopefully he'll get a cap, maybe two. But uh, please, Harry, come back and play the Bristol way, not the Eddie Jones way. Um, that's it, nearly for this week. There is one thing more to talk about uh and for bristol bears fans that uh, like their social media that are on twitter on facebook or on the bristol forum um they will have seen the official launch of a new rugby blog called filthy rig now yes. it uh, made a little opinion in January but uh, is now here and uh, fully powered up and uh, of course the the man behind the words the uh, the captain of clichés and the uh, mesmerizing metaphors is of course our very own Pete Pete, filthy rig. Tell us about it. Why have you started? I would it? have
1: gone master of metaphors, actually, Tone. But thanks for that intro. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Obviously <laughs>
1: named after my good friend Lee. Uh, yeah, it was uh, one of these things, mate. I, I over Christmas, you know, not a lot going on. I, I started taking. A lot of notes during games, particularly for this podcast. Feeling that I wanted to to be sure that I'd covered all the bases when we started chatting, and and I, you know, I, I spend a lot of my life telling other people to write things being a teacher and and not actually do it myself and I, I fancied a you know I looked at some of my notes and I said i made all these f- this effort why not try to, to mould it into some sort of uh, some sort of you know writing about it so yeah it just came as in, you know it's easy enough these days to set up a website and set up a, a Twitter account Started a bit anonymous. Obviously, didn't tell you boys for a couple of weeks because I wasn't sure. I, I did, it was one of those things where I didn't want to tell you that I was going to do it and then fail miserably because obviously Lee knows that I, I, I have a reputation for talking a good game and not delivering. So I was kind of cautious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it, Tony. And to be honest, I've, I uh, I, 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 threw, I felt also there was a niche in the market and it, and it fitted with our our desire to, to bring a bit of irreverent chat uh with let's you know dare i say it with a little bit of knowledge uh to the masses to the Bristol fans and you yeah, know there's some great writing out there so you know we we love reading about rugby we love reading about Bristol the 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 social media team at Bristol are brilliant and i just thought you know let's let's see if we can get into a bit of a niche so yeah um yeah i've got one ready for for next week that come out on wednesday we we we're going to try and uh sort of do that stuff every wednesday to to follow the podcast and uh well boys you have to wait and see what you think
0: lee i i something you want to say about filthy rig
2: it's not very often i i big up Pete, <laughs> but i i personally i i mean i i i love it i'd love the, the just the whole just the way he phrased the metaphors in there and it just mixes it up i think mean, it's 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 an absolute brilliant read you know it's it's got a lot of humour to it as well and I just think it it adds to to the podcast and but I will say I was the one that that outed him straight away because I just knew I just knew it was uh it was the boy but it was it's brilliant. I mean I think we all agree it, it adds another dimension to the podcast and um and I think we're all proud of him, aren't we?
0: Absolutely.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's
0: Pete's project. Um, so please any litigation <laughs> di- direct, direct to him, <laughs> not to the podcast, but, but very much, you know, it's in that same kind of ethos that we'll, Pete's going to tell it like it is. Um, we, we aren't going to, uh, uh, or he's not going to sweeten anything, but Miles, can I just, uh, come to you? Um, were you worried when you found out Pete was doing this? I mean, I think, you know, you look at analogies. Is, is it like, I don't know, like Jagger and the Stones, you know, when he said he wanted to go off and do some of his um, some of his own stuff? Uh, you know, um, do, do you think the creative tensions have led to this? Do you think w- we can still
3: be a foursome? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Yeah, like, I'm not. Into, I think you could be right, Tishy I mean, is Pete? Maybe is Pete going his own way as, 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 a, as a famous sort of band's once sung. Let's hope not. When he admitted that it was his own sort of dirty work that he was writing, I was more than pleased for the boy. It's just up Pete Street, isn't he? He loves talking. He loves listening to himself. And he loves to write, and, and, he, and he loves writing good sort of prose. So I think it's an absolutely amazing read, and it tickles me every week to read it. So good on the boy. And and that's Lee. You know, I
0: like. I know you like your music. Obviously, you know, we use. I use that Stones analogy. You know, classic albums like Sticky Fingers, Let It Bleed, Exile on Main Street. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you can you name any of Mick Jagger's sing, uh, solo albums? I I can't name any solo
2: albums but one thing I can tell you is that Miles hasn't read one word of Pete
3: Collins at all I can
2: guarantee
3: you that I've I've read them all believe me there we are.
0: So good luck, Pete. Um, we all look forward to that uh, Wednesday slot when you're going to uh, give your uh, detailed take on the game and some of the uh, some of the issues and side issues around those kind of things. And I think you're going to keep it um, not not just solely for Bristol. If there's there's other rugby stuff to talk about, uh, will, will we be seeing you put pen to cyber paper in the future? Well, you know, I
1: might give it a go, Tone. I mean, I have my opinions, <laughs> particularly on England scrub. <laughs> (laughs) off choices but let's leave it at that
0: (laughs) all right and so so really good luck and for all our listeners um look out for that on wednesday uh when you'll get the filthy rig review of that game against sale well that's it for this show if you like what you've heard please leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform uh we'll be back next week with our review of the gloucester game and hopefully bristol back to winning ways and still top of the premiership table until then goodbye stay safe And come on, Briz.